One Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to pick back up on the series that we started last week that is uh, setting the uh, course for our year and focusing in on the new year, trying to put first things first in the new year. And uh, we're calling this series Temple. And I shared with you last week that temple is, is not just a place in the Old Testament. Really, it's a theme that runs throughout all of Scripture that is this theme of God's desire to dwell with people, to live with us. You know, there's uh, uh, some of us have experienced uh, an absentee landlord. Maybe you've had an absentee landlord, somebody that owns the property but, but is distant and far removed. And some people think God is an absentee landlord, that he's kind of at, at a distance, far off, removed from our problems. And I want you to know, nothing could be further from the truth. God is close to us. In fact, the Lord's Prayer says, Our Father in heaven. Another uh, translation of that is, or another way of saying that is our, our Father in the air, heaven being the air. And so I love that thought that God is so close to us. He's like the air on our skin. And, and so the question is not, is God present? It's are, are we making room for God's presence in our lives? Isaiah 66 starts off by saying this, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool, where is the house? Where's the dwelling place that you have prepared for me? And so we are setting ourselves, as we begin this new year, 2020, we're taking a few weeks just to focus around that theme of temple. And uh, last week I talked to you about the practice of fasting. And this week I want to talk to you about another practice that, that makes room in our lives for God to move. And uh, because ultimately I believe this, that whatever room we make, whatever space we are willing to make in our lives, God will fill. God loves to fill empty rooms. He loves to fill empty lives. He loves to fill whatever room we'll make, He will fill. And so we're talking about not religious routine or just dead works. We're talking about things that can clear away the clutter of our lives, of our minds, of our hearts, so that we can encounter more of the presence of God. And so I talked to you last week about the practice of fasting. And this week I want to read this passage of scripture out of Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. Isaiah 40, 28. It says this, have you not known have you not heard, did you get the word, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. Notice that capital C creator. In other words, the originator, the source from which everything flows out. The creator of the ends of the earth neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Even Google cannot Plumb the depths of God's understanding. It's unsearchable. Verse 29, he gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be 
weary. The young men shall utterly fall, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. And God, we thank you that your word is alive. Lord, it is a sword that that divides, Lord, the truth from lies in our heart. And God, we pray that as we look into your word, God, we pray that your word would look into us, God, that you would help us, Lord, not just to be hearers of it, but God, to be doers of it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you today about the practice of waiting. The practice of waiting. Here we find this amazing passage of Scripture. This inspirational uh, verse of Scripture that is filled with promises, that's filled with words of encouragement, that, that God gives strength to the weak, that, that he, he restores our strength, that uh, we mount up like, with wings like eagles, that we walk and not faint. How many of you in 2020 could use a little more energy in your life? A little more sustainability in your life. Maybe you crossed into 2020 and you felt like you kind of stumbled into the new year, already exhausted in the new year. Well, I'm glad to tell you that God's word gives us amazing promises of renewal and refreshment and and strength and, and, and all kinds of things that will restore our lives. That is clearly seen in this passage And all of those things, what I want you to see in this verse is that all of those things in this verse hang on one word, wait. I told you last week that fast is a four-letter word, and for some of us, uh, it it feels like a four-letter word that starts with F that maybe we shouldn't say. Maybe you feel the same way about the word wait. Maybe you hear that and you're like, hurry up, pastor, continue preaching the message. Because the fact is that none of us like to wait. I don't know if you realize that or not. I mean, there is something on the inside of human nature that just hates to wait. If you don't believe me, when you leave the church, when you leave the property today, just pause at the stoplight for about two seconds after it turns green. I mean, you will hear a cacophony of, uh, of horns blowing behind you, and that's just the fellow church people leaving service today, right? I mean, we hate to wait. This week, I had the opportunity to travel, and, and if you've ever traveled, you understand sometimes the frustration of waiting. You wait to check your bag, then you wait to go through security, and then you wait to board the plane, and then you get on the plane and you wait. And I think we probably all can relate to that, that it's like, come on, just hurry up and get me there. We hate to wait. Grocery lines. I mean, you will spend a tremendous amount of mental Energy and focus trying to determine which line is the quickest line for me to get through. If I see somebody pull out a checkbook, I'm out of that line. I know, that is a, that's a, a line slower, okay? I'm, I'm going to a different line. Maybe you're the person that you go through the, the, the fast speed checkout and you count 
the items of the people in front of you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You're lucky, buddy. You're lucky. I almost had to take you down because you're slowing me down. I mean, that's true. We laugh at it, but it's true for all of us that we all hate to wait. And even when it comes to the things of God, the things of our spirit, there's, there's often within us this incessant uh, drive to hurry up. Even with church, maybe you've experienced that. You rush in, get the kids dropped off, rush in, get some coffee, get in, get to your seat, hurry up, finish up, head out the door, get in the car, leave. All of those things, this, this drive to, to go faster and faster. Yet here all these promises of God hinge on this word, those who wait. Those who wait. You know, in the culture that we live in, not only do we have this internal drive for faster and more, but also the world that we live in is filled with things that hinder the ability of our heart to wait on God. For, for one, uh, what I would call digital distraction. You know, on June 29th, 2007, something happened that changed the world forever. Some of you are thinking, what happened on that date? It was the release of the iPhone. And uh, that, at the time, we may have just thought it was a new product, but we have since realized that it is a whole new way of life. That we are perpetually distracted in our lives. I mean... How many of you remember when you used to have to wait for a TV show? I remember a TV show I used to watch as a kid. It was on Thursday nights at 8 p.m. And I always waited. I couldn't, I was so excited for that show to come on. Now you just sit and there is a perpetual stream of content flowing towards you. A recent article in Business Insider magazine said that the average person, average person, touches their phone 2,617 times per day. That's average. Reports say that those who are millennials often touch their phone twice that much. If you're a millennial in here, raise your hand. I barely made the cut. I'm in it. Welcome. So you, you may touch your phone over five thousand times. That's a swipe. That's a button push. Constantly engaged with this little demon of distraction. Psychologists are saying now that cell phone addiction is on, is a full-fledged uh, public health crisis. That it is the new uh, opioid crisis, the, the constant attachment to our devices. And hear me, I'm not against devices. I have an iPad up here. Uh, I've got a computer. I've got all kinds of devices. And they can be great, but we are constantly engaged. And perhaps we never stop to think about the impact of these things on our soul. Now, e even when you don't have your phone with you, oftentimes you, anybody ever had it when you feel like your phone's ringing? Or vibrating, and you check it, it's not even there. You, it, who, who's experienced that? That's, that's called withdrawals. Withdrawals, that's what you're having. And uh, they actually now call that phantom vibration syndrome. When you feel your phone ringing, even when it's not there, because that part of your brain has been so trained to sense that. We have endless options, unlimited options 
right in our front pocket. Herbert Simon, a Nobel Peace Prize winner, says that a wealth of information creates a poverty of attention. Why? Because what does information consume? Information consumes your attention. The more information there is, the less ability you have to be present. Why? Because if you can be everywhere at once, you may end up not being anywhere at all. Uh, an example of this was, or a demonstration of this was recently seen, or a few years ago, by an artist named Marina Abramovich. And she did a, a um, piece of art at the Museum of Modern Art in New York City. And she, this was, it was a big unveiling. The, the piece was entitled, The Artist is Present. There was a lot of excitement as the piece was announced and people were wondering, what is this piece going to be? And uh, certainly if it's called The Artist is Present, perhaps the artist will actually be present. And so people lined up as this exhibit was open, people lined up for hours waiting to see this exhibition, which actually was just Marina Abramovich sitting in a chair across from a, a, another chair, and people would come and sit in the chair, and people had all kinds of reactions. Again, not only did people wait for hours in line to sit in that chair, but many people, when they sat in that chair, broke down into tears crying, people afterwards saying it's like a spiritual experience. Now, I would propose to you today that that experience and the excitement around that experience is less about some sort of Jedi mind tricks in spite of that red dress that looks like it would be from the closet of Star Wars. I would propose to you it's less about Jedi mind tricks and more about our cultural inability to simply stop and be present. To simply stop and sit not only is there, is there constant digital distraction, but now there's what I would call counterfeit copies. Counterfeit copies. Because when there is an absence of the genuine, there is always, uh, there's always counterfeits that begin to appear. And today in our culture, there's lots of counterfeits to waiting on the Lord. More and more, there's spiritual practices, many of them adopted from Eastern spirituality and, and practices that even within the church many people are adopting of yoga and mindfulness. And I'm not saying that those things are bad. In fact, I, they may actually be good to help you to sit and be still or to clear your mind. But here's what I would say is it's good to clear the channel, but the channel is only as good as the source that it's connected to. And so even if you have a clear channel, your body and your mind are free from distraction, the channel is only as good as the source it's connected to. And many people are left unsatisfied, although they may be relaxed physically, but the deepest longings of their spirit are unsatisfied because although they've cleared the channel, they've connected to an empty source. We see this all over today. In fact, uh, many of these practices just growing more and more popular. And again, I'm not downing on those things. If you do it and if it's helpful to you, then 
uh, to, you know, I'd just say continue to stay focused on Jesus. But I think if we're honest, the rise in the popularity of those things oftentimes have more to do with people recognizing the market potential to a stressed out public than they are about really satisfying a spiritual thirst. In fact, uh, there was a, a multi-million dollar lawsuit that one of, uh, one of the founders of the yoga movement here in the States uh, brought against other yoga studios. He's a, uh, he was one of the founders in the 70s of the yoga movement here in the States, and he recently brought a lawsuit against other yoga studios for copyright infringement for using his breathing techniques. Everybody just take a deep breath. Which tells us that in this digitally distracted, stressed out, faster paced world, apparently even sitting and breathing freely is no longer an option. Meanwhile, that guy sits in his Beverly Hills mansion where he collects Bentleys and Rolls Royces, but that's another story. So we have lost our ability to sit. And let me say this, the church is not without blame in this because oftentimes as people have a shorter and shorter attention span, the church has been the first in line to dumb down the call to wait on the Lord. I mean, waiting used to be a thing that happened in church. I don't know if you remember that. Waiting was something you did in church. Maybe some of you remember when you were a kid. Uh, how many of you remember that when church was Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night? Some of you remember that. And, and there used to be this, in some churches, there was altar ministry, which is where you just came down and just sat or just kneeled. There would be kneeling benches across the front. And I'm all for updating architecture and design, but most of those benches have now been replaced with laser lights and other things. And again, I, I'm not uh, pointing fingers at those things. I love a good laser light show just as much as the next guy. But as our culture is increasingly stressed out, filled with anxiety, depressed and medicating in many ways, could there be something that we've missed? Now church services, no joke, churches advertise the shortness of their service. So it used to be come meet with God. Now it's come get in, pumped, uh, get pumped up and we'll send you out and we'll do it faster than the church up the street. And again, I'm not, I'm not proposing that we need to have eternal ongoing church services I've served in kids' ministry. I understand the struggle is real, okay? But, but here's what I think we have done. We have removed the need or the reality of simply being present with God. I mean, in the proliferation of satellite campuses and watching a preacher on TV, and again, I'm not saying that that's a wrong thing to do. I'm just saying, have we stopped to think about the consequences of it? Because if the pastor doesn't need to be present, the logic would follow, neither does the congregation. And if you talk to any pastor today, one of their biggest challenges is simply getting people to come. Because we have 
moved church into simply being a distribution center of content that can be consumed online on your own as opposed to a place to be present with God. And I know I may sound like I'm on a soapbox today. Forgive me. I'm not I'm not pointing fingers at anybody, but here's what I, I would propose to you today is that if Christianity is about anything, it's about being present with God. It's about sitting and being able to clear away the distractions and be with God. So in this hyper-connected, digitally distracted, church-on-demand culture is there a solution for our souls and I would say this that into this world comes the words of Isaiah those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings like eagles they shall run and not grow weary they shall walk and not faint if you're exhausted today there's hope and renewal and refreshment in the presence of God. Look even at what Isaiah says. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Those of you who uh, work out or study health and exercise, you understand that uh, strength isn't gained through exercise. When is it gained, Matt Hammer? In recovery, exactly. You don't get stronger when you exercise. You get stronger when you rest. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. If you're tired and you feel worn out and you're exhausted, wait on the Lord. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. How does an eagle fly? An eagle soars. Have you ever seen a duck fly? A duck, it's like flapping its arms, moving its neck. It's like... Crazy going across the sky. Have you ever seen an eagle fly? Eagles just put their wings out and they soar. Eagles have been known to carry a, a prey even heavier than their own body weight. When a storm comes, an eagle just rides on the wind of the storm and it soars above the storm. How does it do it? Because it's learned the secret of rest. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. So what is waiting? What does it mean to wait? Well, the Hebrew word for wait is kavah. Can everybody say kavah? kavah? Fantastic. You sound smarter already. That word means to bind together by twisting. It's like taking two ropes and twisting them together. It means to be consumed in another. Those who kavah on the Lord. Those who allow their presence to be intertwined with the presence of God shall renew their strength. So what does that mean practically? That practically means that we need to have intentional times without activity and stimulation. If we're going to receive the life of God. The fact is that many of us, although we love Jesus, we never experience that easy yoke that he offers us simply because we're too busy to rest, too busy to wait. Now you may say, well, Justin, that's a nice coffee cup verse, 
But I, I don't know if that's true. But let me just show you this. I want to show you some other verses throughout Scripture that emphasize the importance of this practice of waiting. Isaiah chapter 30 says this. For thus says the Lord God, this is to Israel, his people. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, listen to this. In returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. Not in striving and, and, and your own effort. Now again, I understand that there's... Uh, th this is not advocating for laziness or slothfulness. The scriptures filled with, with encouragements of the diligence of work. But the reality is for many of us, we are not falling into slothfulness. We are, we are, we are falling into exhaustion because we don't know how to rest in the Lord. Wait on the Lord. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. God's saying, I, I want you to find salvation in rest, in quietness, in confidence. Your strength is going to come. Listen to this. But you would not. Israel, you wouldn't stop. You wouldn't slow down. And you said, no, for we will flee on horses. In other words, no, we've got places to go, people to see, things to do. I can't afford to slow down. Therefore, you shall flee. Therefore, you shall run. If you Say, I don't have time to wait on the Lord. God says, okay, have it your way. You shall flee. And you'll say, we'll ride on swift horses. Therefore, those who pursue you shall be swift. Verse 18, therefore, the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you. And therefore, he will be exalted that he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Listen to this. Blessed are those who wait for Him. Salvation comes as we rest. Our strength comes in quietness and confidence. And blessings come to those who wait on the Lord. Many of us never, experiences the, never experience the blessing of God simply because we can't sit still long enough. We've not learned how to wait in the presence of God. We see this again and again throughout Scripture. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6, When you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. What's he saying? You need to block out the distractions. Block out the, 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 the constant barrage of information that comes at you. You have to learn how to close the door and your father who is in secret. Where is the father? In secret. He will reward you openly. Jesus in Luke chapter 5 verse 16 says that Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness and prayed. What's the wilderness? It's the place where there's no Wi-Fi, cell service, no distractions, the place of the wilderness. We often talk about Jesus going to the wilderness to be tested. And we think the Spirit led him into the wilderness because that's when he was weakest. Because he was alone and he was hungry. And I want to propose to you that the Spirit didn't lead Jesus into the wilderness because that's where he was weakest. It led him into the wilderness because that's where he was strongest. 
After 40 days of fasting, he wasn't at his weakest. He was at his strongest. Why? Because he had learned to wait on the Lord. Jesus says it this way in John chapter 15, verse 4. Abide in me. Waiting and abiding is the same thing. Abide in me as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I know there's not a lot of orange trees left around here. But if you've ever seen the branch, a fruitful branch on an orange tree, this time of year they're often filled with oranges. What has that branch been doing for the last year? Just abiding. I have yet to see a branch running around town preparing for a fruit-bearing season. I've yet to see a branch going to get some fertilizer for itself. No, a branch has learned the secret that fruitfulness is found in waiting, abiding in the vine. So again and again, we see these encouragements to wait. Now, I'll tell you this. Oftentimes, we're not good as Americans, and oftentimes, us as Pentecostal and charismatic Christians can be the world's worst. Oftentimes, if there's a moment of silence, we feel that it is our spiritual obligation to fill it with some sort of gift of some sort. And we love those things, but I don't know if you've realize this, that on the day of Pentecost, what were they doing when the Holy Spirit came? Waiting. We often say Jesus' last command was go. No, it wasn't go. It was you're going to go, but first you need to wait. Wait in Jerusalem until you receive power. Why are we oftentimes so impotent and powerless in sharing the gospel? Because we've not made time to wait. If those disciples that had walked with Jesus for three years needed to wait, how much more do you and I need to wait for the Holy Spirit? And so I want to share with you today three places that I would say, as, as Isaiah is saying, wait on the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Three places for waiting. Three places to be present. We could call them waiting rooms. Three waiting rooms that I think we need to build into our lives, those are the tent, the tabernacle, and the temple. The tent, the tabernacle, and the temple. The first thing is the tent, or the tent of meeting. Now, all of these things come out of the Old Testament, but they all have a, a New Testament reality. The tent of meeting was a place that Moses went to to wait on the Lord. The Bible says this in Exodus chapter 33, Verse 7, Moses used to take his tent and pitch it outside the camp, some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. I love that story. In fact, if you read it in context, you'll find Moses had been called to lead God's people, and they were perpetually turning away from God. So Moses says, you know what, if nobody else wants God, I'm going after God. If nobody else wants to pursue the Lord, 
I'm going to pursue the Lord. It was before there was any temple, before there was any uh, formal building that God's presence was manifest in. And so he took his tent. Can you see him gathering up his tent and just going outside, out of the camp, setting it up and saying, this is the tent of meeting. If nobody else wants to meet with God, I'm going to go and meet with God. So what did Moses do in the tent? I, I would propose to you, here's what Moses did in the tent. Waited. He waited. In fact, the Bible says that Joshua, his assistant, even after Moses left, Joshua lingered behind in the presence of the Lord. In other words, before you can lead, you have to learn how to linger. You have to learn how to sit in the presence of God. The Apostle Paul calls our bodies a tent in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So here's what I would say is, is the tent of meeting that we all need to go to is that every one of us need a daily appointment with God. You need a daily appointment with God. Now let me tell you what that looks like for me. I wake up in the morning, and uh, I have four kids, and uh, before there was iPhones, there was kids, and uh, so I have to wake up before any of my kids wake up. I know sometimes we say, uh, you know, I, I can't have time with the Lord because I have kids, well, here's, here's something that I've learned. They have to sleep sometime, okay? They have to go to sleep. And so I wake up before the kids wake up, and I stumble out. Normally, I set up the coffee pot the night before so I can just push the button. And I come out, and I sit down, and I set my Bible out the night before. I may set my notebook out, and I sit there. And to be honest, when I wake up, I don't feel very much. I don't wake up first thing in the morning and the voice of the Lord says, good morning, Justin, I've been waiting for you. Be kind of creepy, but that's not what happens. Here's what happens. I get up and I go into the family room. I start the pot of coffee. I drink a couple glasses of water and I sit down. And before I jump into the scripture, before I begin to hit God with all of my prayer requests for the day, I just sit And wait. And normally when I start, I don't sense anything. But as I sit there, I begin to sense the presence of God coming. I begin to experience what Andrew Murray calls a quickening in my heart. My, my tiredness, I have the coffee to wake my body up. But as my body begins to wake up, I begin to sense the spirit of God, the presence of God. I don't jump right into prayer. I don't jump right into reading the Bible. You know, reading the Bible is so crucial, so important. But oftentimes, we jump right into the Bible, and we may end up getting through the Scripture, but we don't allow the Scripture to get through us because we're not reading in the presence of God. And so we have to learn to wait. We have to learn to just sit. You say, how long does it take? As long as it takes. Here's what it's like. It's like a deep tissue massage for your soul. Have you ever had a deep tissue massage? It starts off kind of painful. 
ow, ow. But they're getting down below the surface into the deep muscles where the knots form. And a a massage therapist will tell you there's a point where that knot releases. But it just takes some time. I went, got a massage recently on my lower back. Jen and I did on our anniversary. And the therapist said, this one's just going to take some time. I said, I I got all day. I got all day. You're the one on the clock. (laughs) Oftentimes, we don't allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us, to work out the anxiety, to work out the stress, to work out the things that so drive us during the day simply because we don't give Him enough time to work in our hearts. And so you have to just sit, sit quietly. One spiritual father, commentator on this passage said, the the measure of your walk with Christ is seen in your ability to simply sit quiet before the Lord. So you sit, and maybe it takes five minutes, maybe it takes ten minutes, maybe it takes thirty minutes. And here's what will happen as you sit there. You'll have a a miraculous recovery of uh, memory. Everything you've been forgetting to do all week long suddenly will come rushing back to your mind. You're like, I've been trying to remember that suddenly. It's like, you know, the Bible says the Holy Spirit will bring things to our remembrance. I don't know if other spirits can, but they'll start coming to you. And you'll say, I got to go. I got to get up. I got to run. I got, I've got a sermon to prepare, if you're me. I've got, I've got a business to run. I've got an office to open. I've got children to teach or to raise or all of those things. And listen, I'm not diminishing the value of all of those things. But I think when we say, God, I've got to go. I've got things to do. He says, okay, you go do it. But it'd be better if you'd let me help you with it. It's a lot better to sit and wait on God. Because those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall renew their strength. And so here's what will happen. As you begin to implement this practice of waiting, all of those things will come to your mind. I'd encourage you to keep a notebook there. Write them down. Also, I'd encourage you to get a paper Bible because there's no notifications that come from it. Again, I'm not against digital things. I have digital stuff, but I end up with clickbait or something, you know? So I sit in the presence of God. And here's the point of that. It's not just to have that moment and move on. God, see you later. Here's what you do. You sit and wait until you secure the presence of God for the day. The point of spending daily time with the Lord isn't to leave God where you met Him. It's to secure His presence all day long. The scripture says that the joy of the, or in his presence, there's fullness of joy. It also says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Follow the trail. Presence produces joy. Joy becomes strength. If you're lacking strength, the answer is presence. Presence produces joy. Joy produces strength. So you need a daily time with God. The flesh will scream. 
the flesh will scream, get up and go. And I know we've got the reality. Again, I understand children. To my knowledge, nobody here has more of them than I do. Some of you were tied, but I understand the reality of all of those things. But here's what I want to encourage you to do, to learn to sit in the presence of God. And the outcome will be that as you learn to just wait on the Lord, you'll begin to find the presence of God throughout the day. You're retraining the pace of your soul that even when it is time to run, even when it is time to go to a meeting, even when you have clients and a thousand things waiting for you, you'll always find this little moment of rest in the presence of God. Why? Because you sat and waited on the Lord. And so we need a daily meeting with God. A daily meeting. We need to get into His presence every day. Maybe you say, well, I don't have enough time to sit and wait, or I didn't get that sort of a breakthrough moment. Well, good, or that's okay, just come back the next day. Do it again. Do it again. What are you doing? You're learning to wait on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord. So we need, number one, the tent, the the daily meeting with God. Number two, we need the tabernacle. The tabernacle. When Moses had come into the tent of meeting and he encountered God, he came out of the, tab- out of the tent of meeting. And the Bible says that his face shone. That's biblical for it was shining. Everybody looked at him and said, wow, what happened to Moses? He's been with God. I want to be with God. And so they created the tabernacle. And I know this may feel like this is not the perfect comparison or the perfect analogy. But the tabernacle was a place where God's presence could be accessed by more people. It was this portable place of God's dwelling. If I could bring it into our culture and our environment, I would say the tabernacle is like a connect group. It's like a small group. It's this portable place that you can just show up to and it can happen in the house. It can happen, it, it can happen in a restaurant. It can happen in the park. But, but it's a, a gathering place with the presence of God. The Bible says in the book of Acts, they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. Now, I know for some of us, when you hear me say weekly, you would say, I don't have time for that. And to be honest, as a pastor, I'm sensitive to the busyness of the world that we live in. But may I propose to you that saying you don't have time to be in the presence of God or to gather with God's people is like the guy that went to the gym and quit. The guy who said, I would lift weights if they just weren't so heavy. It's like, that's the point. You will actually have to reorder your life in order to follow Jesus. You can't fit him in with everything else. He takes over. And so you have to reorder your life around the presence of God. We're getting ready to launch Connect Groups, a new season of Connect Groups. And I want to encourage you guys to plug in with Connect Groups, to plug into that environment where you can gather with other people. And you may feel like, I'm just going to a potluck, I'm just going to a meeting. I want you to understand that as you begin to be present in that place, God will begin to transform your life. God will transform your life. I know we're busy, and to be honest, I used to have a lot more 
sympathy with that until I, my boys started playing Little League Baseball. I realized when my boys played Little League Baseball, it's incredible how people make time for things. Anybody, your kids play sports? Yes? Do they ask for one night every other week? Y'all have gone quiet on me. Am I pushing too hard? No. They ask for, I, I am not kidding, two practices, batting practice, games, one or two a week. Isn't that true? I mean, I used to think, man, people are busy. They can't come to church. No, I just realized people are doing a thousand other things. And, and it, it doesn't work if you don't give it the time. It doesn't work if you don't give it the time. So you, if you say, I'm too busy, I, I would say in the words of Dr. Phil, how's that working for you? How's that working for you? If you're stressed out and you can't come because you're too busy, again, it's like the guy that quit lifting weights because they were too heavy. The answer isn't stop. The answer is keep going. Keep devoting yourself to the presence of God. Keep devoting yourself to waiting on the Lord. That's part of the whole thing of church is it's actually meant to do something to you. Church isn't a performance that you come and watch and leave and think, wasn't that nice? No, church is a, it's not a performance, it's a gym. You ever gone to the gym and just watched people? Don't, it's creepy. <laughs> They'll ban you from it. But here's what I've also learned, is it won't do you any good. It won't do you any good. It doesn't do you any good if you don't engage in it. And so a, a weekly small group in the third environment that I believe we need to learn how to wait on the Lord in is what we're doing right now, what I would call the temple, this weekly gathering place with God, this, this place where we are learning to be present with God and His people. And again, I know that there's a thousand things that pull at our attention, but I would say this, even simply being present here today, you are training your soul. You're dealing with the anxiety of your soul. You're dealing with that inward drive. This may be the only place all week that you'll just sit and rest. Sit in the presence of God. And so we, I believe we need to make it a priority. And I'd also say this, when you come... Don't just come to church. Coming to church actually doesn't do anything for you. Meeting with God does something for you. Why do we lift our hands? Why do we sing? Why do we, why do we stir ourselves? What are we doing? We're opening up the channel of our mind and our body to encounter God. That's why I'm, I'm a proponent of, of learning to just sit in the service. I know sometimes, you know, the, you sit down and you may say, well, I'm, I, I've got... You know, I've got to go to the bathroom. I've got to get coffee. Again, it's amazing how many things start calling your name as soon as you say, body, it's time to sit and seek the Lord. It's time to learn to wait on the Lord. I want to ask the worship team to come back up. And I know some of these things may feel countercultural. Maybe it feels like it's a stress. And, and again, here's what I, I want you to hear. This is not an obligation. This isn't, you have to do these things. This is, 
Do you hear the invitation of Jesus? Do you hear, can you see Jesus calling you? You tired, you worn out? Come follow me. I love the way the message says it. Learn the rhythms of grace. So here's our options. We can either live in the rat race of our world or we can learn to wait on the Lord. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to finish a little differently. We're just going to have a few minutes to wait on the Lord. And so I want to ask you if you would, just right where you're at, just to sit for a moment. Maybe you need to take a deep breath. just to settle, to be still. If you feel that you want to kneel, if you feel you want to stand. But we're just going to wait on the Lord. Father, we pray right now, God, that as we wait on you, Lord, we ask you to come. Holy Spirit, we make room for you. We make room for you. Maybe there's some clutter in your mind. Maybe there's some things that have been blocking the presence of God. I want you right now just to consciously say, God, I choose to clear away those things. I want to ask everybody just to hold steady. We're just going to take a moment, allow ourselves to wait on the Lord. Father, we pray now as we wait on you that you would renew our strength. In Jesus' name.